Well, happy 4th of July, everyone. I was talking to my staff earlier this week, and they were, they were wondering if, we, if I wanted, wanted us to sing America the Beautiful. And as soon as I asked that, I asked that question, I'm like, no, because America's not beautiful right now. America is struggling. America is almost in a nightmare. And the reason for this, I think, is because of the self-focus. Me, 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 my body, my gender, my rights, my truth, my social media, my friends, my face. I mentioned this during Holy Week, but for the first time ever in America, because not only in addition to everything being about me, we've also pushed God completely out of society. For the first time in America, this came out last year, there are as many people who reportedly self-identify as having no religious affiliation as there are Catholics and Evangelical Christians combined. That means that over half of our nation right now has no religious affiliation. But it wasn't always like that. One of my favorite historical figures is Abraham Lincoln. And as we celebrate our Independence Day, I think it's proper to quote a U.S. president, a coherent U.S. president. He won. He won. <laughs> Sorry. He once said, Let us strive to deserve, as far as mortals may, the continued care of divine providence, trusting that in future national emergencies, God will not fail to provide us the instruments of safety and security. That's when the president believed in God. That's when most of America was Christian. But do you and I really believe that? That divine providence is guiding all of this, this country, this world, your lives. Or maybe do we believe the devil has the upper hand? Because I hear a lot of people complaining about the state of affairs. Jesus said in the gospel, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And I have given you the full force to trample on the enemy. But how many of us really believe? It sure seems like the devil's in control. But then crazy things happen. Like a week ago. Something crazy happened. Something I never thought I would see in my lifetime. I was even told by very good and holy people, you will never see it in your lifetime. And that was the death of Roe versus Wade. If you would have given me a thousand guesses when Roe versus Wade was going to be overturned, it sure as heck wouldn't have been last week. Given the current state of affairs, given the power of the media, given the current administration, no way! I never would have guessed it. And yet, that's how divine providence works. When all seems lost, when everything good is being destroyed, when the good lack conviction and the evil, the wicked, are filled with passionate intensity, then that is when God throws down the hammer. Why? Well, because we can see it as his work, not ours. The readings this Sunday deal with this exact concept, divine providence. For you guys that don't know what divine providence is, it's the idea that God is in every aspect of our lives, 
initiating, sustaining, and guiding all we do. Not taking away our free will, but gently trying to move us to happiness and holiness. The problem with this idea, at least my problem with this idea, bothered me for years. Is if God is all-powerful, he's omnipotent, right? He can do anything. And he's omnibenevolent, which means he's all-good. And he's omniscient. These are big words this morning. But that means he's all-knowing. Then why isn't everything great in my life? I follow him. If he's all-powerful, he can do whatever he wants. If he's all-knowing, he knows how to do it. And if he's all-good, he should be doing it. Like in our first reading, it says, I will spread prosperity over you like a river. And the wealth of the nations like an overwhelming torrent. As nurslings, you'll be carried in your arms. As a mother comforts your child, so I will comfort you. That's what I'm talking about. Wealth, prosperity, comfort, and joy. If that's divine providence, sign me up. Wonderful. But this wealth, prosperity, comfort, joy, it all has a prerequisite. And the prerequisite is given to us in the gospel. And what it is, it's one very simple thing. Simple but very difficult. It is total abandonment to God's will. Total trust. Jesus tells the 72 disciples to take nothing with them. God will take care of you. But how practical is this? In the modern day and age, Jesus surely can't be serious about this total abandonment. I think he can. And I think he is. He has taught me this in so many different ways in my life. But one of the most powerful ways was many years ago on a pilgrimage to Rome. As many of you know, I was chaplain at St. Mary's High School for six years. During those six years, I led ten pilgrimages to Rome. Six with the kids, four with adults. They were all amazing. They all had their special crosses and graces. But one, one in particular, I will never forget. Because in that pilgrimage, in God's providence, I was given a good portion of suffering and forced to really trust. In the gospel, Jesus says, don't take anything with you. When I left for Rome that year, I had two bags. Just wanted to make sure I had everything with me just to take care of myself. And when I got to Rome, I realized that Delta had sent my bags to somewhere in Eastern Europe. Just fine. No big deal. Been on trips where my bags been lost before. I'll get through it. But when day eight rolled around, and I still had no bag, and was still wearing the same clothes. You know, nobody likes to sit by you on the bus after eight days wearing the same clothes. I looked terrible. I hadn't shaved. My clothes stunk. I was covered with the white salt stains from sweating through my black clerics. But in all of it, I noticed something. I was miserable, but I was being provided for. I had enough. I was getting by. In fact, one night, the, one of the students came up to me and he's like, Father, I, I don't want this to be weird, um, but I wanted you to have this because you seem like you're really suffering. And he pulled out a brand new pack of underwear. <laughs> He's like, my mom said to take these in case of an emergency, and I think you're in an emergency. <laughs> and I thought, man, God works in mysterious ways. Even underwear. Then the day before I got my bag back, we went on a hike with all the kids. And all of a sudden, something bit me. 
To this day, I don't know what it was. My brother, to his dying breath, thinks it's a scorpion. My arm blew up to like the size of a softball. It was under so much pressure, it was blistering and cracking and burning. And I'm laying in bed, and I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a terrible hypochondriac. Like if I have a headache, I'm dying of brain cancer or something. You know, like it's terrible. So I'm laying there in bed. I'm like, I gotta go to the emergency room. I'm gonna die. I'm poisoned. I don't know what it is. And then there was this lady who was a uh, a, do- a nurse, and she looked at it, and she's like, boy, that kind of looks like a like MRSA, which is a you know a flesh eating bacteria. We'll get that in my head for a while. I'm not sleeping the whole night. And then it's so hot, we have to have the windows open. So I'm getting eaten to death by mosquitoes. Then, then, that same night, these these sisters who were running the little hostel we stayed in, they said, we'll wash your clothes. So I gave them my shirt and my t-shirt, my black clerical shirt and my t-shirt. I got them back in the morning. My black clerical shirt was an off-white sort of gray. And my t-shirt was now a midriff. I don't know how they had shrunk it. And I still had to wear it because that's all I had. I mean, I tried my best to give it over to God. But inside I was struggling. I'm like, Lord, I'm trying to do all this good for these kids. I'm trying to show them, get, you, get them to encounter you. And what are you doing to me? Just as I was beginning to heal from this and I got my bag back, I got a sinus infection and bronchitis. While all of this is going on, keep in mind, I'm leading a a pilgrimage of 125 kids, giving the tours, fixing all the problems, and not sleeping because of jet lag. I finally, I I remember what church I was in, I finally just knelt down and said, I give up. Jesus, if this is what you want, I trust you. I don't like it, but I trust you. You guys, what happened after that was amazing. We, when we left, we were told we would never get into the papal mass. We had too many kids. There were not enough tickets. Every year we had gotten in. And it was like the highlight because the kids get to see the Pope in St. Peter's and have mass with him. So I'm just at, I'm at my wit's end. I got, I got nothing to lose at this point. And so I just went. There's called the bronze doors. And they lead into the papal palace. I just went in there on a mission. And just walked right past the Swiss guards. Because I always heard if you just, if you pretend like you know what you're doing, they'll let you go. Because I don't know if you know this, but in, this, in the Swiss guard army, I am a higher rank. I'm an officer. Which is kind of, did you know that? <laughs> Thank you, Father, for your service. You're welcome. But they always salute me. So when I, if you walk past Swiss guard, they, they salute you. When I was in seminary, I did it all the time. <laughs> Just I was like, yeah, these boys, you know. But I, I walked past and they saluted me and I just kept going. Because I knew where the office was where they gave the tickets because I had been there before. And I walked upstairs, opened the door, and this guy looks at me and he's Monsignor and he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm here to pick up some tickets for the papal mass. He's like, do you have a reservation? And I'm like, no, but I need some. And he's like, how'd you get in here? <laughs> I'm like... Can I get tickets or not? And he said, how many do you need? I said, 125. He's like, well, good Lord. He's like, wait a second. And then he looks through his little files, these envelopes, and he's like, we just had a, a group cancel. And he's like, pulls out this envelope, counts out 125 tickets. 
Every kid went. At the end, we were, had this big meal. And at the meal, kids are crying. Before that, kids are going to confession. They had been confession forever. They're having these huge conversions. Lives are being changed. And that's when I experienced those words from the first reading. I will spread prosperity over you. The wealth of the nations and an overflowing torment. I will comfort you. And as I listened to those students and their encounters with God, I began to feel comforted and filled. Truly God had been guiding this thing all along. Everything that I had suffered in that moment, it was worth it. And I was filled. This is a manifestation of God's providence. A situation that demanded trust in what seemed to be pointless and meaningless suffering, which filled me, and I like to believe, the group, with joy and prosperity. Now, I'm not saying that whole group's experience was because of this guy. Not at all. Nor am I saying that my suffering, that I received it perfectly. I barely received it. But what I am saying is that God knows what he's about. And it's time that we start to really believe that and really trust Him no matter what life throws at us. That's what's going to fix our problems. And that will once again make America beautiful.